Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, good morning, church. Y'all sounded wonderful. <clears throat> amen, amen. That's what I'm talking about. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. To speak the name of Jesus over each other. That's what we'll do. Isn't it true, though, that Jesus will bring peace? Jesus just, he just will bring peace. That's what he does. And, um. Thank you, Christian, for getting that. While we got hardwood floors, ain't no big deal. Um, before we get started this morning, I just know that um, this is, um, I was sending out a few messages last night to our elders and some of the people that, that have to put up with me throughout the week. And I said, well, y'all start praying. I feel like this is going to be, I, I know I say this every week, but there's something had me last night about this message. And, and, and you're going to hear a word um, a lot in this message today, and it's fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. 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 Amen. That's what we saw yesterday happening in this building, fellowship. You know, when, when you're a family, um, Connie, I'm going to use an example. I wasn't in the message. You can see I didn't tell Connie all that stuff to happen. When you're a family, it doesn't matter if something gets spilled. It, just clean it up. You know, it, it, we're family. We're not, we're not going to be perfect beings in a building for an hour, then go off and be something different. What you see here is what you're getting. We're in fellowship with one another this morning. We're fellowshipping with each other. And that's different than a relationship. You can have relationships, and they can be good or bad. But when you fellowship, it's because you may want to be there with that person or that individual, individual or that God. Amen. So if you're, if you're hearing my voice out there, on, on, this is a recorded message. Um, I just hope that you would, it would encourage you too to be able to embrace what fellowship looks like for you. So we're going to be in the book of um, 1 John. So I say 1 John, I have to say it sometimes people have preached that and I, the next thing you know I can't follow the pastor or the, the teacher and I'm in the book of John. So this is not the... One of the Gospels, this is 1 John, towards the back of the Bible, and it's a really um, small book. But it's 1 John, and we're going to walk through the book of 1 John, and we're going to start with chapter 1 today. So, before we get started, can we pray together? Can we let the Spirit just take over our minds and our hearts right now? Amen? Hallelujah, Father God, we love you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us first. And we just come to you right now. We pray for revival today. Revival in our hearts. Revival, let it start with us. Every person sitting here today, Lord God, there is something that you're wanting to do inside of us. So I pray, I pray, God, Lord, through Jesus Christ, that we experience more of you today. We get to just feel your hand sweep over our bodies our lives, our minds, our hearts. We rebuke the darkness that tries to come at us constantly. It, it cannot have a place in here, in our minds, in our hearts. Right now we pray for heavenly angels to surround us, this place, this word, that, that you, Father God, would get all the praise, honor, and glory for what we are fixing to experience. 
We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, the purpose of this letter of 1 John is to bring people into relationship and ultimately into fellowship with God. So finally, um, what are the differences between relationship and fellowship? We just talked about that a little bit. We can have a relationship, but relationships can be sometimes toxic, sometimes good. But we, we'd hope that they would be a good relationship. But we say that we want to see lives change through a relationship with God and one another. But I could say I have a relationship with God, but is my relationship with God driving me into fellowshipping with God? There's a difference, right? I can have a relationship with God maybe and, and then kind of have a hard time fellowshipping with him for whatever reason. Maybe something I've done myself. Maybe something that I'm angry about. Maybe it's just a timing in my life, but fellowship is hard to come about. There's a word um, that, that helped the Greeks, koinonia, koinonia. I had to go ahead and, and listen to that a few times and had to put my own hyphens in there because I would mess that thing up with my redneck slang. You'd been koinonia, koinonia. Koinonia, koinonia, what does it mean? It means fellowship. This idea of fellowship is one of the most important ideas in this letter of John's. It is the ancient Greek word koinonia, which speaks of a sharing, a communion, a common bond and common life, commonality. It speaks of a living, breathing, sharing, loving relationship with another person. Koinonia. Now how much different does that word sound to you when you hear it? That's what the Greek would hear. Koinonia. It means that we had everything in Acts 2. It talked about that. All the believers had everything in common and they were in unity with one another, fellowshipping with one another. So when you hear koinonia, it was fellowship. And this is a description of what it looks like to be a part of God's family. To fellowship, koinonia. So let's walk through scriptures. Look, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and set your mind at peace right now. It's going to be kind of like you're going to be sitting on the, that roller coaster of white lightning at Carowinds because 1 John 1 1 is going to be like, is he ever going to get out of verse 1? But when it shoots, you're going to like, man, that ride didn't last very long. <laughs> so, so 1 1 is going to be, woo, then like, boom, there we go. So just get ready. 1 John 1, 1, it says this. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Everybody say word. That is the Lord, right? That's Jesus. He's the word of life. So we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. In Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But listen to this. Now, not 1 John, but John 1.1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, Genesis, Old Testament, very first book of the Bible, very first verse of the Bible. Then John's gospel, his, his proclamation of, of, of the gospel. In John 1, it says, He is the Word. See, John was letting his readers know that the God who created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-1 is the same God he wrote about in John 1-1. It's hard, especially for the Jews, it was really hard because they didn't need, dude, God was here. <laughs> They'd never, they couldn't even, 
the Jewish people couldn't even call God Father. That was, that was a big no-no. That's not my father, that's God. Wow. Listen, Guzik's commentary says it like this. I have several quotes in this message from David Guzik. It says, whoever or whatever John wrote of, he said his subject was eternal and therefore was God because the subject existed before all else and was the source and the basis of the existence of all things. Hear that? A God that created everything was here on this earth. And John was letting the people, the readers know, the audience that he was going to communicate with is I know it to be true because I touched him, I spoke to him, I saw him, I smelled him, I heard him. He was God in my presence. It wasn't something that we just talked about. I was with God. And John was saying that. He needed people to understand that. See, verse 1 goes further on by saying, This eternal God, we have saw him, touched him, spoke with him, and walked with him, whom we have heard and seen. See, we've never seen God in the carnate, in the flesh, but he dwells inside of us. It's the Spirit of God inside of us. So, why was this statement so profound? Number one, because the eternal God has become accessible to man. An eternal God, a God who created the heavens and earth, has now become accessible to man. That's what John was telling his audience. Because of Jesus Christ, God is now accessible to you. Number two, this was telling the reader that this was not a myth or a fairy tale. John was an actual observer of God on earth. Number three, there was a false teaching going on during this time called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was that, that that they believed that Jesus was God. He was just not a physical man, that he was more of a, um, a, a phantom or, or just something that could appear and make himself, but it wasn't a fleshly man. And, and John was saying, no, nah, that belief you have there is false. That's false teaching. So let's go ahead and, and throw that in the garbage can as well, okay? See, John declared, I heard him, I saw him, I studied him, and I touched him. And then verse 1 finishes by stating that he is the word of life. The word for the Jews, John identified this eternal existence being, was physically present with John and others. In John 1, you also see the Greek word logos, which the Greek philosophers would say is the basis for organization and intelligence in the universe, the ultimate reason which controls all things, the word being logos. And and. Jesus, God, these words describe who he is. So let's look into verse 2. 1 John 1, 2 says, This one who is life itself was revealed to us. We have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was the Father, and he was revealed to us. Jesus Life itself, the giver of life. I want you to think right now all of the things that you have been through in this life. Jesus was with you in every one of those things, good or bad. 
How did I make it through those times? You hear Matthew Hyatt say it so many times. I look back now and I can see God's hand holding me up when I couldn't hold myself up. When I was too messed up to even know what healthy looked like, there was God. That's who God is. And that's what he's doing for you right now. I don't know where you're at, but he's the giver of life. He's the giver of life. He sent Jesus so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And that he will sustain you when you can't even know what healthy is. He's such a sustainer. See, here's what happened. Jesus, he left fellowship with the Father to create a way for us to have fellowship with the Father. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus came down out of heaven and made his way to this broken world that we live in and call earth. And to our broken lives that is just trying to make it the best that we can do every day. And Jesus left fellowship with the Father and took on my sin and your sin and all of our weaknesses. And fellowship was broke with the Father for a brief moment so that we can have fellowship with the Father. And that is the good news. And I don't know where you're at today, but Jesus came for you. Verse 3, it says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. John is saying, Come have fellowship with us and you'll experience a new way of life because of who we have fellowship with. You notice that he's talking about us. He didn't talk about the Lord. He talked about the church. He's talking about people. He was telling a lost people that said, hey, come have fellowship with us. That's what was happening here yesterday. The believers were having fellowship. When we were out running after a football in our slick bottom shoes. <laughs> and, and when people were grinding stumps and, and working on toilets and putting up signs and laughing and goofing off. We were having fellowship. Yes, was the crazy uncle there? Probably so, and I might have been him. But God in all of his love and grace said, I love you so much and that my love will come through you. It will be in you and it will draw people to you and you can have fellowship with each other as you glorify my Father in heaven. And that is a picture of a healthy church. <laughs> Verse 4 says that we are writing these things so that you may Fully share our joy. See, this fellowship produces an unbelievable joy. Not a temporary joy. There's a lot of things on this earth that can give us temporary joy. Amen. Anybody else can attest to that? Done, done, done that. Done, been there. Might try to do it again. I pray to the Lord I don't. I pray to the Lord that I don't. But I'm telling you what, whenever I feed Jesus into my life, I can't stop smiling. Whenever I feed Jesus into my life, I can't stop wanting to help people. Whenever I feed Jesus into my life, it becomes more about you than about me. When I feed Jesus into my life, I can't stop thinking of the Father. Joy. Joy, joy, joy. Down in my heart. Joy. 
Joy to the world. We take that word joy too lightly. Well, I went and saw that, saw that movie. It brought me a lot of joy. I went and hung out at that football game. Man, the joy we're going to experience tonight as we watch one team of millionaires beat up on another team. Hallelujah. I'm going to eat a lot and have a lot of joy. No, that word is not joy. It's so much bigger than a football game. It's so much bigger than my job. It is so much bigger than the, my circumstances. Joy. God-given Joy. Well, let you stand up and raise your hands when the doctor says you're dying. Joy will let you stand up and proclaim that he is the father, even though the world has said that there's so many other ways. Joy will replace anything that you're putting in you to try to get a quick fix. Do you have that joy? It's an unexplainable joy. So for me to sit here for the next 30 minutes and try to let us understand the depth of the joy that God gives would be feeble. It's something that can only be described by the Holy Spirit. And if your eyes haven't been opened up by God, and I pray they have, and pray that today might be the day that they get opened up. But when those scales get torn off and you see God for the first time in all of his glory, in all of his intimacy, in all of his love, that he's not judging you, he's not looking at your path, he's looking at you and who you are now and where you're going, that will bring forth a life change in you that you will live radically for the rest of your life for this God. It's joy. Verse 5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and, and now declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. The word is saying God is perfect. There are no imperfections or inconsistencies in him. Isn't that awesome that we are part of a family where our Father in heaven is consistent 100% of the time? We talk about that. That's our three C's, right? We want to be consistent. But you have to redefine the word consistent if you mess up one time. Consistency is 100%, 100.0000. That means that every time God says something, every time he anoints something, every time he does something, that everything that God says is consistent. And that pertains to your life. Well, I don't believe he's there with me. Oh, he's there. He's been there in my life, and I've had my back turned on him many times. And he's constantly pursued me. He was consistent when I was inconsistent. And he's consistent in your life, too, when you're inconsistent. Hmm. The word is saying God is perfect. No imperfection or inconsistency. Here's another thing Guzik's commentary says it really well. Man, this really jumped out at me. Says God is the only infinite, eternal, and unchangeable spirit, the perfect being in whom all things begin and continue and end. Begin, continue, and end. Another way of saying that God is perfect is to say that God is light. Therefore, if there is a problem with our fellowship with God, it is our fault. It is not the fault of God because there is no sin or darkness in him at all. Did you hear what that said? 
If there's a problem with the fellowship that we're having with God, it lies on our shoulders, not God's. We have chose not to partake in fellowship with God because we want what the world has more. Mm, mm, mm. My, my. <laughs> Verse 6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. See, to live a life of fellowship with God would be a life of walking in the light. One cannot say I have fellowship with God and continue day after day to walk in the darkness. Do not let someone fool you. If you are living in a life that is walking away from God and rejecting him day in and day out for year after year, that is turning your back on God and you're not in fellowship with him. It says it right there in the scripture. We can't go on living in spiritual darkness. If we do, we're not practicing the truth. So to put it very simple, you can't hang out with perfect. That's a good one right there. Thank you, Jesus. Look, we can't hang out with a perfect God and not be drawn to being perfect. You can't hang out with a perfect God and not be drawn towards perfection. That's how we, that's how we evaluate where we're at in our walk. See that big old banner out there in the hive where it talks about the, the will and who you are and where you're at and where you're going and, and some of the traits. It means that, that you're hanging out with this perfect God and this God is transforming you through sanctification that it is drawing you towards him. And it is nothing that you're doing that's making your life look perfect. It is he who is doing it in and through you. Hallelujah. We don't want that pressure anyway. We can't do that. But God can. Verse 7, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow. See, John was not saying we had to be perfect. But what he did say is that we had to be in a place in our life where we were willing to follow the one who was perfect. See, that, that's the big lie that the enemy has convinced the church of is that you have to be perfect in order to be a part of the family. That's a lie. That's a lie. I love when Barbara wants to say, let's listen to Zach Williams, and he got that song, Bring It All to the Table. All your past mistakes, all your troubles, all your things, dump it all out. God already knows. You ain't got to live in secret anymore. You can live in freedom because God, we're all in here just was messed up before Jesus. And it's only because of Jesus and the Spirit of God is that we're on our way to looking different than the world that we live in. He's not saying you have to be perfect, but you have to be willing to surrender to follow the one who is perfect. This means we have to stop harboring known sin in our lives. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? If you got sin in your life, scream it out to the Lord. Scream it out to the church. We know how to pray for each other. But again, we walk into the context of fellowship 
And we're like, man, if I let them know what's going on in my life, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fellowship with them. If I talk to God about what I'm struggling with, will he still want to fellowship with me? Friends, I'm telling you right now, if you go into a church and you confess to them a sin struggle that's in your life and they put you out of a fellowship, that's something that you're confessing and wanting freedom from, that is not the church to be in anyway. That is not a healthy church. I'll let God deal with his bride. That's not my job, and I'm not going to preach on that. But I'm telling you that the, the lie that the enemy has told us is that we have to keep our mouths quiet to the things that we are struggling with, and we harbor it, and then it grows inside of us. It grows shame inside of us, and then we end up becoming what we think we are because all we are telling ourselves is, I'm not worthy. And God says that is so terrible of a statement because you were made worthy when the blood of Jesus Christ was poured over you. And it wasn't anything that you did. It was all of the things that he did. Ultimately, walking in the light grows us into fellowship with one another. <laughs> when it's all over you, you know, when it's all over you, you can tell. It's, I don't know if I want to go hang out with them people. They got too much joy. <laughs> Look, we, like, we done been there, right? A bunch of happy people. All they want to do is meet Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Saturday morning. They want, every day they want to hang out, sing Kumbaya and dance around and eat. <laughs> I'm just going to sit over here by this rock under this tree and be peed off at the world. I wish I could have that joy. But I don't think I deserve that joy. I'm too screwed up. I've messed up too many times. Friend, I'm going to tell you right now, if that's what you're saying to yourself, you're just the right one. You're just the right candidate because you're at the end of your rope. And God says, where you end, I'll begin. <laughs> where you stop, I'll start. Hallelujah. I'm starting to rhyme. I didn't even know it. It wasn't in my notes. It just came out. Followers of Jesus Christ can't help but want to be around one another. See, this is when it goes from being in a relationship to fellowship. When you wake up and you say, man, I'd like to call Richard. Why? I don't know. I just want to hear Richard's voice. Richard's like, there's that Paul again calling me. What you doing, Richard? Oh, just washing clothes. Hallelujah. That's a lot of fun, ain't it? Pumping water out of my yard. <laughs> We're fellowshipping. We love each other. We can't help but love each other. Because we have a commonality, and his name is Jesus. Listen to what Guzik said one more time. It says, we have fellowship with one another. We would have expected John to say we have fellowship with God. That is true, but already in the idea of walking together with God in the light, John wants to make it clear that fellowship, that fellow Christians who walk in the light enjoy fellowship with each other. This leads to an important idea. If we do not have fellowship with one another, then one party or both parties are not walking in the light. Two Christians who are in right relationship with God will also naturally be in right relationship with each other. Hallelujah. There. Man, that was, I just like, I just got a copy and paste on that. Thank you, Guzik. He said it better than anybody. Praise the Lord that God used that man to say that in such a great way. It says that two Christians who are in right relationship with God will also naturally be in right relationship with each other. 
Walking in the light is a continual cleansing, and according to Romans 3.23, we all fall short of the glory of God. See, that's where the problems start. We walk with each other, and God's principle doesn't change. He's perfect, right? But one of us lets the other one down. Then we take our eyes off of a good God, a perfect God, a consistent God, and we put them on an imperfect creation. And we start, ju- we start judging God's character off of the inconsistencies of the people that we walk with. See, we got to learn to show one another grace in the same amounts of level that we want grace for ourselves. See, if we claim in verse 8 through 10, 8, 9, and 10, we'll read. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Sin is a hindrance to fellowship in the blood of Jesus, received by faith as a payment for our sins. Solve this, that, that solves this problem of sin. The blood of Jesus solves the problem of sin and opens a way to fellowship with God and one another. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop making your sin struggle your idol. Come into fellowship with God and with the family of the church. And it will give you so much joy that nothing else will look appealing. I say nothing else. But yeah, but you don't understand. I really like my job. I really like my family. I love my family too. And the best thing I can do for my family is to keep my eyes on the one who created me and guides and directs me. What joy we have in keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love my family. I love this church. I love my job. But if all of it gets to going away, God's the one thing that says, keep your eyes on me. I'll bring you joy in the midst of all of that. Those are hard words to say, a bit kind of act like Job, right? To wake up one morning and say, God, you might take it all today, but will you be enough if, I, if you do? Wow. Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross, and it is he and only he that can take credit for your salvation. Ultimately, this salvation should bring forth a relationship that promotes fellowship that will afford us to walk in continuous life. This will bring a joy that nothing can diminish. So we're at the end of the message. I have a couple questions. Y'all want to go old tent revival today? Y'all want to have a tent revival? Lord, we ain't going to eat today. Two questions. Father God, Lord, let these words hit all of our hearts. Speak to us, Father. Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And if you're not sure of that today, today will you make a decision 
to let him be your Lord and Savior. That means will you follow Jesus today? Would you ask him into your heart today to be in fellowship with the Father through Jesus? So do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if not, would you consider asking him to be that Savior today? Talk with him on that. And secondly, the second question, if you have asked Christ into your heart and you believe that, that, that your fellowship with him is, is, is hurting, that you're, you, you have a relationship and you believe in him, but you're not fellowshipping with him, um, but you want to, ask yourself, what is stopping me from having fellowship with a, a perfect God. Second Chronicles 7 says, If my people who are known by my name will repent of my sins and turn to me and follow me, I will come to them. See, sometimes we just have to take house cleaning. And we just got to stop leaning on the grace card. And we got to say, there's something in my life that is stopping me and hindering me from fellowshipping with the Father. And don't be ashamed if that's you in here today because, friends, brothers, and sisters, I have it in my life too. I'm having to take a, an evaluation of my heart and what is stopping me from coming into fellowship with the Father and the fellowship with others that is trying to create shame in me. But a revival is a time where we confess our sins to God and to one another and we pray for each other so that we may be healed. So I want to, got a small area up here because as Connie said, you put too many chairs out. But I want to ask my brother Tyler to come up here in a moment. Hey, I want to. I want to ask one of my sisters that, that wants to pray. Hey, maybe you need to be prayed with. Maybe you want to be praying with. But I want to have an opportunity for us to go into 10 minutes of just glorifying God through coming to him and saying, I want a fellowship with you. Will you come forward and let your leadership pray for you today? Let Richard come down and, and pray for you and Tyler and myself. Here's the deal. Will you come into the light today? Bring it all to the table. Don't worry about what you've done today before you got here. Let today be a day that you put a stake in the ground and say, God, because of your son, Jesus Christ, I can boldly approach the throne of grace. And today, God, I want you to be my Lord. Today, I know you are stronger than any addiction. I know you are stronger than any relationship. I know you are stronger than any illness. I know you're stronger than any lack of. God, you are enough.